Hi, I'm Max Bergman. And I'm Donatien Rui. And this is The Europhile, a podcast where we look at Europe through a Washington lens. Hello, Russian Roulette listeners. Today we have a special episode for you from our sister podcast, The Europhile. We sat down with Aka Gogolashvili, director of the EU studies at the Georgian Foundation for Strategic and International Studies. We talked about all things Georgia, the current unrest over the foreign agents law, and where Georgia is headed. If you like this episode, please listen and subscribe to The Europhile, which you can get wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. So now we'll turn over to our interview with Kaja Gogolashvili, a senior fellow and director of the EU studies at the Georgian Foundation for Strategic and International Studies. Mr. Gogolashvili has served in the Georgian Foreign Service in several high diplomatic positions, including deputy head of mission to the EU and director of department for relations with the EU. He has advised the Georgian government in the past on policies related to European integration, in particular assisting the government to design and implement a lot of institutions and legal reforms that govern EU-Georgia relations. He's written a lot on EU-Georgia relations and is the editor of a lot of books dedicated to European integration. We're particularly excited to talk to Mr. Golashvili today because there's a lot happening in Georgia. And this is a country that was considered for years to be a close strategic partners to the United States and the European Union in the South Caucasus. And the reason we're keeping an eye on the country is that this democratic backsliding and some of the unrest that we're seeing there is potentially a destabilizing factor in the South Caucasus. So we hope you enjoyed the interview. I was wondering if you could maybe describe the current state of play right now in Tbilisi, right now in Georgia, with the, the protests that have gone on and the government's reaction. Yes, of course. The last week especially was very emotional. So many actors participated in this um, big process, which was initiated actually by the ruling force, a type of affiliate to the ruling party, uh, which is named uh, a small faction in the parliament named People's uh, Power. Actually, uh, they tried to initiate and then to, to push uh, forward a type of law which was discriminatory against the civil society organizations, especially the NGOs, and the media, free media. So it was uh, presented like if, if this law or uh, the draft was uh, intending to, to copy an American FARA, so-called Foreign Agents uh, Registration Act, which was adopted in U.S. in 1938, and uh, it, it served different objectives, actually. It was adopted to stand against the Nazis' Germany propaganda, by that time. And then it was modified several times. Finally, uh, I looked to FARA and uh, FARA's register and I saw there are only 700 and something, 736 organizations. Uh, imagine that United States, uh, which is uh, 100 times bigger than Georgia, or larger than Georgia uh, by population, registered only 700 uh, foreign agents in the country. And in the same time, the Georgian ruling power intended with this law to register practically uh, several thousand of uh, Georgian NGOs and uh, call them foreign agents and uh, actually apply to them a special 
uh, treatment, special treatment, which is uh, demanding from them more transparency, more publicity of their, uh, so making their all, all their activities uh, open, also put very high, uh, quite uh, substantial fines and uh, payments for, for the infringement of the rules which they established uh, by, by this law, etc. Finally, we saw that similar law, which was especially introduced to discriminate the uh, non-governmental organizations. While FARA in the United States, it applies to any kind of organization. If you look to the, uh, to the registry in, in the United States, you see that 99% of organizations are commercial type of organizations and also some representations of political parties or special information agencies. And they're directly representing certain foreign principles. They're directly representing the principle and uh, conducting their policy and their interests. So it, it has nothing to do with uh, ordinary Georgian NGOs which just receive foreign grants. You know that Georgia is not a rich country and uh, Georgia has no such instruments to finance civil society organizations, which are crucial for democracy development in the country crucial for economic development, of uh, sectoral development in, in any area. NGOs are very active in Georgia, and they contribute a lot in the development of the country. How they survive, how they get uh, resources to, to fund their activities, these are our foreign partners. So uh, the funding for Georgian NGOs are coming from these countries. They are not uh, serving as foreign principles for these countries. Any grant which comes from, from for example, USAID, it never demands from the organization recipient of the grant to conduct the policy which USAID follows or which USAID or US government tries to, to, to conduct in our country, right? Or, or lobby the interests of US government through USAID grants. This is absolutely unimaginable. In Russia, the same type of legislation caused practically elimination of the free media and elimination of uh, non-governmental organizations. Civil society in Georgia immediately understood the danger. And we started we started struggle in order to fight, in order to not to allow uh, the ruling party together with its affiliate, this uh, People's Power faction, uh, to pass the law. Let me just ask you, I think your, your point is, is, is right on in kind of describing the threat to democracy that this poses. You know, we have a legitimate debate in this country about where to draw the line when it comes to the Foreign Agents Registration Act and when you're acting as an agent of influence. And oftentimes those that are taking money directly to advance the interests of a foreign government tend to be in the legal sphere. But we've had it, that issue with the think tank sphere. But this could be an open discussion, except we've seen this playbook played out to your neighbor, to your north in Russia, where the foreign agents uh, basically served to really restrict civil society and crack down on democracy and really snuff out civil society. So my, my question is, is, is the intention of the current government to really follow the Russian path here to significantly restrict civil society, to roll back Georgian democracy? I mean, that, that that's why people took to the streets. But do you see that was that sort of a mistake on their part, or are they deliberately going in a, in a non-European and more Russian-oriented direction? Yeah, absolutely. Very legitimate question. And I can tell now my position about this. It could be debatable, but I, I believe that this was especially initiated in order to restrict 
possibilities of the civil society to be critical, to have critical voice. Uh, because the parliamentary elections are approaching, we have them in 2024. So the only segment which can uh, influence somehow the population in Georgia and uh, show uh, the real, real state of things in the country and explain what we really need for our future, etc. It's a civil society and it's uh, especially NGOs. Many of them are working to promote democracy in the country. Many of them are working on uh, looking to the government finances, uh, watching the uh, cases of corruption, revealing many uh, deficiencies in foreign policy issues or in administrative issues or the, how the government acts in general. So they are critical. Of course, they are critical. They have influence in this sense. So influence is growing. So they decided somehow to reduce the capacity of civil society to influence the public opinion in the country. The other, other problem, if I may add something to this, is uh, European integration. Everybody knows that Georgia tried to get candidate status in summer together with Ukraine and Georgia made official application for uh, receiving EU candidate status. We've been denied of candidate status, but uh, we've been given so-called European perspective, which is a special regime actually given to the country, which means that we are already in this package of enlargement countries. So this is very good progress, actually. The Georgia skipped to this package, so Georgia moved to the package, and we are considered as an enlargement country. But still, we are waiting for the, this official confirmation of the candidate status. And for receiving a candidate status, we need still uh, to uh, comply with so-called 12 priorities, which you uh, communicated to us uh, last summer. Instead of trying to comply with these 12 priorities, Georgian government tries to introduce very controversial law, which is not accepted by society, which is increasing polarization in the society. The high representative for uh, security and foreign policy of the European Union, Joseph Borrell, he made a special statement saying that if this law is adopted, then Georgia will distance from its uh, past towards uh, European integration. So everything indicated that this law is not only damaging development of democracy in the country, but also is very dangerous for Georgia's advancement on the European integration path, which is totally considered by Georgian society. 80% of Georgians consider our main foreign policy priority is this uh, European integration. What we can think, if not that it was also a kind of... Uh, uh, attempt to stop Georgia's fast advancement on the European integration path. This signal could be coming from Russia to our government directly, maybe threatening them or maybe other, some other instruments used in order that Georgia makes something to stop this rapid advancement towards the European Union, which happened, we know, in 2014 with, uh, with Ukraine, when Yanukovych in one day just refused to sign association agreement. This happens with Armenia in 2014 as well, when the president of Armenia also, then prime minister, I think, of Armenia, refused uh, to sign association agreement, which was already, the text was approved and initiated already by, by parties. And they turned, they made the U-turn towards the Russia. Uh, so Georgian society understood very quickly this danger. And they started protesting practically all layers of Georgian society, including sportsmen or including these uh, people from uh, artists or people from uh, 
universities, epistemic society, anybody else, ordinary citizens, uh, they, they were just coming and protesting about this. Before we get to the Russian influence piece, because we definitely want to talk about this, I'm curious how you view the evolution of this government yes. to the point that we've reached, because as you pointed out, popular support in Georgia for EU accession mm-hmm. and NATO accession is very high. The Georgian dream has for years stated that it wants Georgia to be on a path, on a Euro-Atlantic path. So how do yes. you explain how we've got here since maybe not as far back as 2008, because mm-hmm. that seemed to have really galvanized the, the Euro-Atlantic path, but perhaps since 2019, when we saw the first big protests in Tbilisi, uh, how, how do you explain yeah. this shift from this current government towards a law such as this one? Well, this is really a cold question, I think, about all this. Unfortunately, it's not as easy to explain. From one side, the Georgian government was declaring the open course on this European integration and making steps. Actually, for example, Georgian civil servants that are working hard on complying with EU requirements, you know, that to join European Union is not as easy. The most difficult task, to my view, uh, apart from democratic development and democratic institutions working and being uh, functional, there is very important part that uh, you need to approximate your legislation to the European community legislation, so-called, which is 100,000 pages uh, of uh, regulations and directives, and uh, they, they penetrate every single area of, of the activities in the country in the, of your life. And it is really difficult task. And Georgian governmental uh, bodies are working hard on this. Actually, uh, finally, when uh, when we uh, checked these responses of government, uh, uh, Georgian, uh, Ukrainian, and Moldovan uh, files about the approximation, it appeared that Georgia is uh, at the same level in approximation as Ukraine, and it's even ahead of Moldova. But uh, still, we, we were not able to get the candidate status. Why it happened? Because there was not uh, such a uh, high trust in Georgian government and ruling power that I really thinking only to uh, deepen the ties with European institutions, with European countries. But they also are playing somehow with Russia and the uh, Russian authorities. This is a type of balancing policy which, which was very usual in uh, 19th century or in 20th century, we know that in especially in first part of 20th century, but now for Georgia, it's absolutely not winning uh, a policy to play with two absolutely different actors with contradictive objectives and aims with very different policies in the region and towards the region. So one actor is based on values and on development on the future and another actor is looking to the past and is based on hard power so it's very different. But but still, our government and our politicians in power, they were somehow playing with, with Russia. And that was the reason why, finally, to my view, uh, their policy was not as trusted, fully trusted from side of European Union. Because of the situation when we see that the Georgian population in its uh, overwhelming majority, 80 or 82 percent, even more, Sometimes, depending on the polls, uh, they are in favor of Georgia joining the European Union. They cannot openly refuse this way. Uh, but in the same time, they have some constraints to go very fast on this way. This is seemingly a type of attempt 
to please Russia and in the same time uh, trying to convince the population that uh, we, we are not changing foreign policy priorities. It seems that Georgia and especially the Georgian government could not find this kind of courage in order to uh, have chosen one way and uh, supported. We have just a, a few minutes left. I'm curious for yes. your view on, on where this is all headed and wh- where do you think the situation in Georgia, how do you think it will evolve? What does this mean for the existing government? What does this mean for the pro-European part of Georgian society, which, as you mentioned, is is very large? Uh, this seems like a, a major turning point, which people will look back to and say this was sort of a moment, hopefully, that Georgia re-cemented or clarified that it wanted a European future. How do you see this moment playing out going forward? Yes, this is the moment of truth, to my view. That incident, actually, which which happened, that uh, this move to trying to introduce an anti-democratic law and uh, that could be a kind of Rubicon when Georgia could have started moving back or rolling back from the democracy. This was uh, actually overcome. And Georgian society uh, went to streets, uh, and especially the young people, young generation, and I would stress the role of so-called Gen Z generation. They raised their voice, they came to the streets, and they practically decided the, the destiny of this law. The government was, after two days of strong protests and very, very strong demonstration of the will from side of people, the government of the ruling power, they didn't have any, any choice than withdraw or uh, rec- uh, recall this, uh, the, the bill. But we are not sure that they absolutely changed their policy and that now they will continue to do whatever Georgian people demand from them and what Georgian interests dictate to them. We are not sure about this. I think that it is necessary to make some serious changes that the Georgian uh, dream uh, and the, the ruling power produce changes in the government and also in, in the parliament and try to come with the new faces who are not discredited because of this uh, kind of uh, participation in this kind of action and then continue with a new policy before they come to the election. But I think that they the very, very low chances now they have in order to win the next elections with this kind of very bad record, which, which they deserved now with this um, action. Uh, but still, still, they have chances somehow to rehabilitate themselves. And also rehabilitation is needed against uh, the European institutions in order to to prove that they will continue bringing Georgia to, to the European Union or uh, pushing Georgia towards EU, not towards Russia. So there is still still a chance for this. But I'm not sure that they will use this chance. As far as just uh, yesterday, Prime Minister was airing not very nice messages and again blaming some forces in Georgia and some political forces and also civil society representatives for falsifying the facts about this law, etc. There is still attempt to make reverse of the situation or to, to bring back the situation. But uh, I think that this is not possible because the young generation, especially in the big part of, uh, of society in Georgia, have already understood what is the truth, uh, and they will not allow to do this. So to close us out here, you talked about the moment of truth and crossing this Rubicon. As that happens in Georgia, what do you think the transatlantic community can do to support this 
hopefully towards the right path? Is it support to civil society? Is it support to the current government so that they can work towards rehabilitation and push back against some of this Russian influence? Is it support to the opposition? Do you think UNM can do something about this or all of the above? Yes, I think, yes, the transatlantic community already have done a lot, I would say, that they supported uh, democracy in Georgia. So far, they supported the position of the civil society of opposition of those who really want Georgia to move towards European Union. It has produced impact, I think, that not only Georgian uh, population uh, forced the government to step back, but uh, very strong position of, for example, U.S. State Department. Uh, every day was uh, a new new statement done by Ned Price, for example, the, the State Department speaker, and European Union representatives and very high-level politicians from different countries. They have worked uh, hard in order to show to Georgian government that they will not tolerate any attacks against democracy in Georgia and that they will... They will take measures. And I think they supported so much Georgian society in this. So we were united, actually, with our Western partners. And this is very important move. To my view, in the West, they understood and we understood that real partners, if, if, we, if they have partners in Georgia, this is civil society and also oppositional parties and the young people, population and society in general in Georgia. These are real partners. In the future, I think uh, this should be continued. The European uh, and Euro-Atlantic partners need to be very uh, alert. They should be more focused on whatever goes on in Georgia. And they need more communication with not only Georgian uh, government, but also with uh, opposition parties and with civil society. So bigger presence is necessary. We need their support against the threats which come from Russia. Because we have uh, heard many declarations from states Duma from uh, the Russian propaganda leaders, uh, also even from Lavrov, uh, indicating that they are very dissatisfied with this kind of changes in Georgia, the ruling party stepping back in this question. And they directly indicated that even maybe the brutal force can be used, uh, employed against Georgia, if Georgia continues its uh, move, uh, fast move towards uh, European Union and Euro-Atlantic community. Of course, we need more stronger signals from side of Euro-Atlantic community, from United States especially, to Russia, saying that uh, we, as Georgia as a nation, we also have strong uh, support from U.S. Uh, and uh, we can count on this uh, support in case if Russia decides to, to use force against us. Well. Mr. Golashvili, it's been a, a real pleasure to have you on the Eurofile. Thank you so much for, for joining us and, and best of luck to, to you and to, and to everyone in Georgia. Thank you very much. Pleasure was mine and all the success to you. That's it for today's episode. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also look out for an upcoming critical questions from the program on Georgia's foreign agents law. Our thanks to our producer, Michael Kohler, and to Sissy Martinez and Otto Svensson for coordinating and researching this episode. We'll be back soon with another assessment of Europe through a Washington lens. Until next time. 